Hello everyone and welcome back to Behind Massive Screens, a game development podcast here from Massive Entertainment in Malmö, Sweden. Here uh, from Pandora this oh, time. Indeed. Look, look, look around. Look around. My name is Dodi, joined here by uh, my co-host Petter. Hello. And uh, a guest, of course, but we have to have a little bit of a, a preamble, right? Yeah. Or, no, no, yeah, not, not this one. We're going straight into it because uh, this is going because to be you can't think you can't think of a single show. subject. No, that's why. Exactly. But uh, yes, we are joined here by uh, Alex, who is um, well uh, the audio director on Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora, and uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit about uh, well himself, his job role, and. Uh, Everything that that entails. So, let's kick it off with the uh, the very primary question of, uh, behind my <laughs> screen that we ask every time, right at the beginning. So, audio director, what in a nutshell is that, and what uh, you know, what what does that entail? Okay, uh, that's going to be a big nutshell, but uh, <laughs> yeah, let's start with that. So, the the role for energy director is uh, first and foremost to set up the vision for the game. So what does it mean, like audio with vision, right? <laughs> so the the goal for us is to design, of course, the aesthetic for the sound design, for voice, voice casting, voice recording, processing, but also for the music, what music style, while color palettes, so like the instrumentation. But uh, it actually goes way beyond that because that's. To me, that's kind of the basic. Um, the role of the audio director is to set up uh, design pillars for audio. What are the goals uh, for audio in this game? Uh, is it to uh, enhance uh, immersion uh, through the world? Is it uh, to contextualize gameplay? Of course, that's things that we always do with, with sound design and music and voice, but uh, that's, that's the starting point for me. Before talking aesthetic, I always start with the design pillars. What are the main goals for audio in the game? And then from those goals, you can think about the aesthetic that uh, fits the franchise, the type of the game, uh, the creative vision, of course, the narrative vision, the game vision. Um, and from that, once you have that in place, then you need to do some strategic planning um, because you need to look at how many people do we need uh, internally in the team to realize that vision, um, what kind of skill sets, seniority level, positions. You need to look at external partners as well, composers, Foley studio, um, post-production studio, if you have cinematics in the game and whatnot, uh, recording studio for voice, post-production for voice. Um, and once you have that, you can define your budget, your internal budget, external budget. Um, then you do some backlog. So you use the agile methodology, you work with Jira usually. Um, you define basically high-level tasks for all the features that you have predefined before, right after the pillars. Um, and from that, you can start to do some retro planning and see if it just fits in terms of time and budget. And that's when uh, you start to have like uh, big discussions with production as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is quite the mouthful of uh, responsibilities and yeah. we're gonna dive deeper into that but first we, we have a, a second question that we also like to dive in and that's also to give a little context of well your your current role and what you're doing right now and that is your your background how, how did you get into game development and uh, how did you get to be here at massive okay you want you want the long answer or the short answer the medium answer yeah the me okay let's yeah. try let's try with the medium answer <laughs> it might 
get long anyway because I think that that's, that's interesting for the younger generation. We have for, time. Or for people looking for jobs. Um, the way you approach career development is like uh, skills in the video games, right? You have uh, different skills that you can develop. You know your play style. I'm like, okay, I want to be more of a warrior or a stealth person or an explorer. And then you can develop your skills this way. And I think uh, the way... Um, I got here at Massive and my, just looking back at, at my whole career, it, it was basically built like that because um, so it all started <laughs> uh, <laughs> back in the days. I've been working with Sons for about 20 years now, I think, uh, professionally. So um, I did uh, computing and uh, university and uh, electronic as well. Then I moved to sound engineering because that's what I, I wanted to do. And I was composing music back in the days, um, mostly for friends recording uh, hip hop and R&B tunes in my hometown. So I had my own studio uh, already, uh, I think, when I was 16 years old. And I started composing when I was 12 as well, um, just because I was bored playing other people's <laughs> music because you had to train for that. And I didn't want to train, I just wanted to come up with my own uh, notes. So that's how it all started. And then uh, second years at uh, the Sound Engineering School, I've been spotted on MySpace by um, Sony ATV Music Publishing. I ended up signing a contract with them. And uh, then boom, I started uh, composing and producing music for uh, many different uh, urban artists uh, in France. I still finished my Sound Engineering School. So I learned uh, recording, mixing, sound editing, a lot of cultural as well on the music and movies and, and, and whatnot. Um, after doing that for a few years, that's when I decided, okay, I need to change my life and I want to do something else. But I love working with sound, so what can I do? And that's when I decided to work in the, the game industry. And I failed. <laughs> Miserably. <laughs> Many times. Uh, but that made me stronger because that made me develop other skills in my skill tree, if I may. So... Um, Eventually, after six months, a year, trying to find a job in the in the game industry and not finding anything <laughs> for a long time, I decided to move countries and re relocated to uh, Shanghai in China. And uh, over there, I found an opportunity to take the, the reign of a post-production sound studio. So that was super interesting because to me that was, okay, next step. Uh, sound to moving pictures and sound design and editing to pictures and uh, music as well. Not it in its own like medium, but music to serve the mood and yeah, emotion to, to, of, to support a visual exactly, and to support the vision from someone else yeah. as well, you know, from a movie director, and so that that was super interesting. So I've done that for about three years, uh, still actively looking for jobs in the game industry during those three years, especially the last year, uh, doing that, um, and eventually. I did not find a job in the game industry. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to uh, start my own business. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a contracting for small games so I can build a portfolio, learn a little bit of the technical uh, challenges that are brought by games as well and different type of games, mobile, PC, console games. Um, but things have moved pretty fast. So after a few months doing contracting, uh, I had the project that was too big for one person. Um, so I ended up creating my own sound studio, hiring people, managing people, then doing some more business development as well to find some more clients, um, because then it was a game audio outsourcing uh, studio. And uh, of course, when you hire people and you have a location, it comes with costs as well. So uh, developing the business, uh, it went pretty well. Um, I think I've been working on 20 to 30 games uh, during those three years doing that with a wide range of 
um, other things we will be working on. So like from music implementation to music direction, supervision, music production, voice recording in source language or audio localization. So that means dealing with like thousands of voice lines in different languages that you might not uh, speak, understand yourself as well. Um, casting for voice, sound design, of course. And then uh, at some point I started to do some interacti interactive mixing as well for some of my uh, partners and clients. Um, eventually after three years, one of my main clients uh, offered me a job uh, in-house, uh, which was CCB Games. So um, I accepted right away because that's what I wanted to do uh, originally. And, uh, and that's how I started to work in the game industry, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Between the time I looked for a job and the time that I uh, had a job in-house, it took me eight years, I think. Um, and then my entry level, my first job in the game industry was uh, audio director, which was pretty <laughs> fun because <laughs> I've been through like so many different uh, areas of audio already and managing people, setting up budget, finding clients uh, and finding compromises between uh, uh, what you want to do and the reality of a project. Um, so I've done that for two years at CCP Games in Shanghai. Uh, then I moved to CCP in London uh, to take other responsibilities, but still within uh, within audio. Done that for two years as well. Uh, so worked on games like uh, Eve Gunjack, Gunjack 2, um, Eve Online, of course, and some other prototypes and projects. Um, as an old Eve Online player, I was like, yeah, awesome, <laughs> awesome. And that's when uh, Ubisoft reached out. And... Uh, then they're like, yeah, we have an audio director position. We think that your profile matched pretty well uh, what we're looking for. And I was like, yeah, cool, uh, interesting. What's the project? And then they were like, oh, it's Avatar. I was like, okay, yes, cool. <laughs> 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 I like that. Let's let's talk. Where is it? And then they're like, it's in Malmö. I was like, okay, interesting. And because I never really thought about moving to Sweden. Um, same for my wife and we have kids. So we're like, okay, that's, are we ready for that, for that big move? That was not part of our plan because usually for every other steps of our careers, we had plans on what we wanted to do. Um, but we had a sign as well. Like the, I think I told you uh, last time we had mm -hmm. that, that discussion uh, for the FICA session is that uh, a week or two weeks before that call from Ubisoft, uh, because I was living by uh, Stamford Bridge in London, and I'm a football fan, so I went to see a football game that was Chelsea against Malmö in the uh, Europa League. And then the week after, I received a call to be like, oh, we have a job in Malmö. And I was like, okay, cool. Sounds like a, a good sign. So and I'm sure Malmö did great in that game. Uh, the fans did great. No, <laughs> yeah. I was actually impressed yeah. by the fans because uh, they, I think they lost uh, 3-0. Um, but uh, 45 minutes after the end of the game, we, we were still hearing the fans <laughs> singing in the stadium. <laughs> and it was impressive. We're just okay, happy yeah, to get noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. Uh, good good spirit and, uh, mm -hmm. and good vibe and good energy. So that was uh, a good game, actually. And... Um, and yeah, and then we started to talk with uh, Ubisoft and of course Massive Entertainment. And then I eventually came for the on-site interview, um, met with our creative director, Magnus Jensen. Uh, I think we we hooked pretty quickly in terms of creative ideas and whatnot. Uh, I remember during the on-site, I started to draft some some design on the whiteboard and producers were already like oh my god <laughs> it's they're already designing on the fly what are they doing and they play the game as well uh the the version of the game that uh, we had at that at that time and i was uh, puzzled by the world and the atmosphere and everything in the game and that was like okay yeah that's that's what i want to do i want to work on this game and there we go yeah i mean yeah that's a. Uh... 
I mean, first of all, quite a, a long description of the, 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 the title <laughs> and then your story, but the match so well because like almost I think every single aspect of the job that you were talking about that you needed in terms of skill, you you had already worked on in, in some capacity leading up to it. So it was yep. like, yeah, like a perfect, perfect match. Yep. Yeah, no, I, we, I've heard that we've done a podcast uh, together before and uh, heard the story before and I, I, I just love it because it's such a roundabout way. Because mm-hmm. we have we have people here like from all kinds of backgrounds and some straight into the industry, others they go another way first and then they come to the industry. But yours is like I moved to China <laughs> from <laughs> France. Okay, <laughs> I started a company. Okay, <laughs> it's like it's a very you knew what you but that's what's impressive with it as well was that you knew what you wanted mm-hmm. and you you had a very ambitious way to get there and you got there yeah so it's uh, i i love that story yeah i had I a clear picture in my head on exactly where i wanted to to be and yeah. what type of job i wanted to do and then i was like okay so we can you can go this way but that's not what happened so i'm like oh you can go that way or that way <laughs> yeah. or you can take the long way <laughs> but eventually go directly uh, to a higher position as well and have more uh, creative freedom which is yeah. what i was looking for as well so yeah, yeah. follow your dream kids yep indeed right um but let, let's talk a little bit more about the uh, well the job and your your day to day and i know it's very difficult to talk about the day to day for your job because i mean depending on where the project is they're very different. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. If, if we just start in, yeah, in in pre production when when you're, you're when you're starting to work on a project, what does your kind of job responsibilities and day to day look like? Yes, exactly. The the day to day change quite dramatically. Uh, at least in my role, if you are in pre production, in production, or in post production, which is usually uh, a tight, smaller period, but very important for audio as well. Um, and then, so my day to day in pre production. I usually arrive in the morning, I have a clear picture of what I want to do. And I do none of that during the day <laughs> <laughs> because the day gets hijacked by thousands uh, of other things. And that's AAA game developments pretty much. Uh, and you end up at the end of the day with more things that uh, you had to do at the beginning of the day. That's very often the case. Uh, so you embrace that uh, at some point. But the, So in pre-production, it's a lot about uh, crafting and defining that vision that we talked about. Uh, that's also a lot of, it's it's a big collaborative job. It's not like I'm the director, I will come up with the vision and that's it, people, that's what we're going to do. It's, it's a lot of uh, almost like uh, internal auditing where you go and you ask other people their, their expectations for, for audio. So of course, I will have those discussions with the creative director, but with the other directors as well, I will most likely involve the leads of other disciplines so like animation, VFX, art, design. Uh, AI, like kind of everybody to see already if people are kind of aligned aesthetically and on the goals for for audio in the game. Um, eventually, you have to make a decision. So you make your own vision and your own decision. Um, but that need to serve the creative vision and the game direction and the narrative direction. At the very least, that's the three that audio should uh, support. Um, so that's a lot of that. That's a lot about... Uh, uh, communicating that vision to the audio group, so audio coders, sound designers, music designers, voice designers, QC as well, production, your production partners, and uh, everybody basically that is uh, in that audio team uh, so that they can understand and also craft sounds and system to go within that vision. That's a lot of prototyping as well, where you will try a lot of things 
and uh, sometimes try and error. If you want to do something new that have never been done before, then you have to take creative or technical risk or both. <laughs> I think we took both uh, in, in many cases. And then you decide, okay, where to pursue, where to stop, or maybe finding a middle ground. So that's a lot of, of that and mentoring the team and also developing the audio awareness for the rest of the development team. Um, because audio is a discipline that is not very tangible. You can't see it uh, for a lot of people. It's uh, it's not new, but it's hard to grasp, right? If you see something, like you see a piece of art, a visual one, and you have an idea if you like it or if you don't like it, because that's your taste and it's visual, it's tangible. Or if it's uh, there is too much lighting or not enough, or it's a bit too gray, people will have an opinion for audio, except maybe for music that is kind of its own thing where everybody uh, can have an opinion. Uh, for sound design, it's a bit less tangible. So it's a lot about developing the awareness so that other people in the dev team will understand the benefit as well of having good audio or good audio system because it's it's games, right? So you, you don't do anything in silo. You need all the teams all the time. And you need a consistent audiovisual language or you need the audio systems to go hand-to-hand -hand with the design, the moment-to-moment, -moment, the feel, the pace of the game and everything. So that's a lot of collaborative work during pre-production on top of continuously refining the vision. So usually you will have the high-level vision already by then. So like the pillars we are talking about, the aesthetic. But that at, at that point, usually I will start to deep dive in every single individual features we have in the game, one by one, and uh, write a creative brief. Like, what's then the goal of audio for that feature? Aesthetically, how are we going to achieve that? And technically, how are we going to achieve that as well? And, uh, and then we prototype uh, pretty much everything. I, I, a couple of things there already. Um, one, what you say about audio not being so tangible will lead into the next thing. But it's as you say, you can, let's say, you just have a sound effect. I'm jumping ahead and mm -hmm. creating weird examples in my head. But a sound effect, like a boom, something deep, something like, I can play that to you. And you can say, okay, that sounds cool, but what is it? Mm -hmm. But then if, if it turns out it's one of the machines and it's walking on something, it's making these, and all of a sudden the way they interplay creates something more than like the sum of the parts. Yep. Uh, and that's like really audio becomes important because that could sound clank, 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 or it could make a really like yep. epic dramatic. That would put it in context for me. If you just play it, I can say, wow, sounds awesome. But what is it? Yep. That has to be really hard to communicate. Yep. Which brings me to my ne next thing. I think we discussed this as well at one point. You have to communicate these things to different teams and you have to write it down and create a brief. Mm -hmm. How do you put sound design and audio planning into an aesthetics into words? Like how do you convey a sound aesthetic through words and not through sound? So we usually do both. So I will start with words. So like uh, it's what I like to call audio descriptors in the audio direction or the audio Bible or whatever, uh, how you, you call it. That's that's basically the design document that uh, you have and that is available for the whole team on the project. So you start with that, like, uh, let's take the amp suits, for example, because you mentioned that. Footsteps for the amp suits. Give me five keywords that uh, matches the aesthetic you have in your head. 
And then I'm going to ask that for different people. Of course, I already have mine. And then I see the ones that comes uh, the most often and the one that matches mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I do a melting pot. And then once we have that, um, so I don't know, it could be a sense of weight uh, because those are large, heavy machines, uh, mechanical Metal, metal would be uh, an important element because metal is not an uh, is not a material that exists in Pandora, for example. So that's that feels human right away, and uh, kind of Machiavellic in the context of the Avatar uh, franchise. So weight, mechanical, uh, metal. Uh, you could add threatening. Maybe if you want to make it threatening, usually we add some more low end because the low frequencies kind of trigger fears or we mm. use that a lot to trigger anticipation in movies and games. Um, and then you have four keywords. You can go with more. And then and once you have that, oh, yeah, wow, the fifth one is kind of easy. That's the easiest one. That's why I, I'm kind of forgetting it right now is that uh, is character because you probably have different archetype of I'm shooting the game. And you might want to, for all of them to kind of sound consistent. So you know that's an M suit. So that's what we call an auditory icon. Mm. <laughs> so that's a sound that mimic uh, reality. And you can know right away what type of action or spell. I mean, that sound, we can provide a lot of information within a single sound effect. Um, but you also probably want to create a different character to the different archetypes. So you need to twist that uh, core sound of an M suit so that you can play by sound. With replayability, you will be able to be like, okay, here an enemy outside of my field of view and playing the game, it's behind me. And it sounds like that. So that's that type of M suit that mm. I'm going to have to deal with. Once you have that, then you make uh, captures of animations and things you have available in the game. If you don't have it, you can take concept artwork basically and and you make some on top of that. And you do that for every single feature. So like M-Suits will be a feature. And then you go into mass production later on and you have the different weapons, the different voice types, the different footsteps, servo, hydro, all the sounds that are associated to it. And that might be crafted by different people in the team. Uh, but you still want the voice processing from the M suits and the footsteps and the weapons, even if like weapons is one feature and fully M's design is another feature and voice design is another group as well. You want all that to come together nicely and to give you the, the feeling that, okay, it's it's one entity, one object. It sounds consistent. Yeah, have that s same character. Exactly. Even if it's been done by 10 different people uh, over the course of two or three years with all the iterations and, and whatnot. Yeah. And another thing that you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier is, is it, it's kind of, I feel like sound is often uh, underappreciated in games because w when you're playing a, a video game, it is kind of working on two out of your five senses. Of course, visually, um when you're when you're playing game and something kind of feels off we have an easier time on putting words to it what is it that mm. is you know pulling me out of the experience why yeah. doesn't this feel like i'm there with audio it's just as as hard to get it right but it's kind of harder to put words to it why it isn't working mm -hmm. how how do you like tackle that to to make sure yes you've laid down the foundation of the the vision mm -hmm. but yeah, when you start getting in uh, prototypes of, of audio and it's like, oh, well, that doesn't work because of this and mm -hmm. it won't mix with this. It's like, it feels like a, 
a, a huge, vast, complex process, basically. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, probably why you have uh, positions like mine. <laughs> and also uh, audio leads and the voice leads and music leads and uh, associate producers and other people that can support and help communicate, you know, the, the vision and help with feedback and everything. It's once again, it's a very collaborative uh, job. So we also receive feedback from all other developers, not just QC testing. Uh, um, and usually it's either people say nothing. That means sound is probably good or is doing the right job. Or people come with like, oh, that sounded off or that sounded weird. And they will usually, we will capture when we do playthrough and play the game uh, so that we can come back to specific sound effects, specific situations, scenarios, understand, try to understand what happened and how to fix that. Because a sound might sound good in one situation, but it might not sound that good in another situation. Like between exploration and combat, even if it's the same sound effect that might feel off or not doing the right uh, job or not providing the right feedback at a specific moment in time. Um, or people will say, oh, it sounded good. <laughs> that, that means you did a really good job usually. But uh, to me, to reach that point, it's very collaborative work. That's a lot of iterations. Um, and of course, usually when I craft the vision with the design pillars and everything. So I anticipate usually it takes about a year to start translating in the game for everybody to be on board, to understand, to craft, prototype, uh, put that in the game and for all the small tiny pieces to come together and also uh, for me or someone else in the team to start mixing all those uh, elements individually, but then also mix them together and the, those different scenarios and, and contexts. So it usually takes about a year between the time you tell your creative director or your other uh, partners, creative partners, uh, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and then it starts to translate in the game. Um, but usually when, when we start with the vision, it's, I mean, it's always been for every project I work on, it was very clear in my head. Like, and I had all the sound palettes already and it was clear. But then of course, I'm not going to go to the team and be like, design like this or design like that. So um, I like to be high level so that people can create or add their own uh, sensibility. And, uh, you know, everybody has a different cultural heritage as well and cultural background. And we, we all have uh, different sensibilities to sound and visuals and art in general. So I want to let people do their things and stay high level, even if in my head it's already clear how it should sound. Uh, and then that uh, allows other people to also bring something unexpected sometimes to me. I'm like, yeah, it would be like okay. pleasantly surprised. Mm. Yeah, it's not what I had in, in my head, but it sounds interesting. Let's try in context to see if that's better than what I had in my little brain or if maybe we need to find the in-between or maybe if it's wrong and we should go to something else, which is maybe not what I had in my head, but someone else in the team as well would provide feedback. Um, it's, yeah, it's very collaborative. So it's we always have open discussions and everybody uh, provides feedbacks to everybody. Like same when I do hands-on uh, work on the game and on the build, other people will come back to me and give me feedback as well. And that's fine. Really, um, we, we, we're still in kind of pre-production, uh, mm -hmm. setting up the vision and stuff yeah. right now. But you said you, you work in CCP game and, and this uh, space game, essentially, with a lot of silence. Mm -hmm. um, that has to be worked with. But... What was it then when Ubisoft called? You said, "What Avatar? Okay, I'm interested. Let's talk." What was it with with Pandora? Yeah, that kind of awoke in your audio creative sides when you thought about it. 
So when uh, Ubisoft reached out, uh, they told me it was Avatar. And I really like the franchise because, uh, first, it's James Cameron. <laughs> so in terms of blockbuster movies and excellence in direction, realization and pacing, the bar is already super high. So I'm like, cool. And then uh, that's super interesting to make a game within that IP or franchise uh, because the bar is very high. So we're going to all have to push boundaries and push ourselves to uh, to to do something spectacular. And then, uh, of course, for me, it's the world. Uh, the world of Pandora is just stunning audiovisually. And that's when you see the, the movie that's... Uh, if you go to the cinema, that's an experience more than a movie. Like... Okay, I really wish I could go there. And then our job is to make that world possible so that people can go and escape also from their day-to-day -day life and the reality of life and everything. So uh, so that's that's one of the aspects. There are many, many different aspects. Uh, I'm a big fan of the music in that, uh, in that franchise. I was like, cool, how to live to that uh, standard as well, but or how to um, add a twist to it so we can also... Uh, deliver on the narrative that is unique to the game and also serve the game mechanics because still it's different medium between a game and a movie. Um, and in a game, you also need music to give you gameplay feedback, moment-to-moment -moment feedback, and to react to what you do as a player, but also to react to what the world, what is happening in the world and in the game uh, at runtime. So that's, I mean, uh, I could keep going with the wildlife, <laughs> the ikrans and, you know, uh, crafting the vocalizations for all the different creatures in the world. And, yeah. uh, and then, um, of course, the, the game is first person and you play as a Navi. So that brings super, some super creative uh, uh, and interesting challenges right away. Like you are three meters tall, you are fast, agile, physically capable how to create the folly and the sound for your own character mm. to sell that fantasy. But also those footsteps is something that you will hear nonstop all the time. So how to sell the sense of weight and the power without making it fatiguing over mm. time when you hear your footsteps uh, all the time. So, uh, I mean, a lot of possibilities and creative challenges. I mean, just look at that picture. <laughs> you, yeah. want, you want to go there and you want to fly on the ecran. And uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. And I guess it kind of brings us to, well, designing the, the soundscape and the systems in the game. Because, I mean, it's it's Pandora that mm -hmm. uh, is kind of one of the bigger characters in the game. It's the environment uh, that brings it to life. And, uh, I mean, it's full-on nature. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, there's a lot of sounds that need to be <laughs> to be made, but also it can't be too overwhelming if it's constantly buzzing with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, plant life. And, and yeah, I'm wondering like where, um, where to, to start when designing the, the environment, mm -hmm. what to focus on okay. and the, the systems that need to be designed and uh, put into place. Yeah. So actually like the, the soundscape, the environmental the ambient soundscape of the game is one of the key signature feature uh, for audio in this game. It's one of the things that was uh, spotted early on in the audio direction. We're like, okay, we really want to put a big focus on uh, the environment and the ambiences uh, for this game, which is not the case in many other games as well. So that's that's where um, it was, I think, very appealing for myself, but for the audio team as well, because that's something we like to do um, usually. So. 
where to start? We started with the different biomes and the different regions you have in the game. And then you, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, how to create a different character for those different locations so that they feel sometime consistent, for example, uh, between the different forest uh, biomes. You still need to feel you're in the same region but they need to have a twist and feel a bit different. And once again, there is a lot of information you can provide with sound, so you can f give a, a feel for the pacing of that environment, of that place. So you can make it rich and buzzing and almost like create a sensory overload of, of sounds coming your way. Uh, but maybe that will help you contrast with another biome. We, we collaborated with uh, someone that is specialized in uh, phonar recording, someone that has been traveling around the, around the world. His name is Mark Anderson, and he, he helped us uh, a great deal into defining, oh, it's a bamboo type of biome. So usually you can expect those kind of wildlife and fauna and insects to live there. Of course, we did a lot of researches as well uh, online. Um, and then uh, listening at different video recordings as well, documentaries and, and whatnot. And then we're like, okay, cool. Now we started to list on the type of birds and insects we wanted to have for the different biomes we had in the, in the game. That's your pre-production. And then we started prototyping, do some previous target videos just to give a feel for it. Um, and then eventually... Uh, uh, we had people in the team or people like Mark Anderson that went to a lot of different locations in the world uh, to record a lot of specific sounds for us. So uh, we recorded birds and insects in uh, uh, in Australia, in New Zealand, in South Africa, in Malaysia, in northern Sweden as well for different uh, areas in the game. So many different locations. Uh, in some cases, we had to send people back to the same location so we could record the same species but with more variety, so sunny season, rainy season, mating season. So we could have the same species recorded, but uh, generating, having different behaviors in their vocalization. Or um, And then we did that for, um, for all the biomes in the games. Um, we also recorded canopy, foliage movements. So that's a lot of uh, taking plants like that and shaking them in the foliage <laughs> room at different speeds. So it's like, okay, we can tie that with the wind intensity at runtime. Yeah. So it can this be is when you walk and press it. This is when you run and press past it. Or you have that, but you. Uh, so we we went with a full positional world environmental soundscape. So every single object that you can see in the game that move. And the ones that don't move as well also have a sound. So it's all positional, which means all the small plant foliage that you see, they also move based on the wind system we have in the game. Is it slow wind? Is it very windy? That means we recorded the same plants or the same type of plants with the same type of leaves. Uh, we're shaking at different speed, basically, to get that, <laughs> that feel of, of movement. Um, and same then for the fauna. So every every biome has a, a lot of fauna sounds. They behave differently because we did those many recordings. They're all uh, positional, object-based. And they also react to, of course, time of day. So it sounds different at night, dawn, dusk, during the day. Uh, weather system, uh, clear sky, foggy, light rain, heavy rain, thunderstorm, you name it. So all the systems uh, we have in the game and that all affects how everything plays together. It feels very much like being a, an orchestra conductor and you have a lot of musicians, but they're all birds and moving plants and <laughs> you know, creaking trees and, and whatnot. And, uh, and then you decide, okay, based on the different palette and, and the visual language as well, you know, you at night, 
it's dark in many games, but this one is Avatar, so you have the bioluminescence. So you also want to keep some wildlife, but maybe you want to keep the fauna that uh, are a bit more tonal or singing, or maybe uh, they sound a bit uh, otherworldly, so that's the type of... It's actual fauna that we recorded, but maybe they don't sound like anything we know, you know? Um, and then maybe we use those a bit more during the night, but more sporadically, so it's not like buzzing all the time and maybe we send more reverb on those sounds so they sound like a bit more diffuse and, and lost in the space so um, yeah i don't know if that answers your yeah, question uh, yeah i'm not sure i remember your question <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, yeah pr pretty much but but then like that is designing the audio soundscape of the environment but mm -hmm. then to make sure that it uh, serves gameplay uh, as well yeah. because you also have music uh, depending on what actions you're doing, if you're in combat or yep. if you're just walking around, and then you have, yeah, music needs to combine with the environmental sounds, mm -hmm. and that, that also feels like a very complex thing to to tackle. So yep. that you're you're always getting this nice cinematic experience, but you're also getting gameplay feedback. Yep. So the so for the world, we started by yeah recording everything and going for simulation as much as possible. We're like, okay, let's simulate real life and make it sound super bright and clean and clear and and super interesting. Uh, it sounded great in the game. It still sounds great in the game, but uh, uh, we had people providing feedback that it was overwhelming, basically. Like they wanted to turn back every time with that <laughs> character. I was like, what's this noise? Because everything is making a sound, basically. Um, so we had to refine the mix again and again and again. I think the mixing process, all in all, between all the features to having the, the final game ready took about a year to a year and a half of iteration. So um, it's been a lot of back and forth where we decided, okay, maybe the phonage will uh, still be very detailed and uh, be everywhere and positional, but maybe it should not be that crisp in the mix. So it doesn't grab your attention that much, uh, except in certain scenarios where you want the, you want it to provide some kind of feedback or some cues so that if the sound, if the world sounds very rich and vibrant, but then it goes suddenly super quiet and you just have the sound of the wind in the leaves, you're like, huh what's going on? Maybe something will happen and then eventually something will happen right after that. It's it's about building anticipation for something else, uh, gameplay or a narrative bit that could happen in the game. And then, yes, of course, you have uh, the music and everything. Um, but for us, I mean, we have slightly different approach depending on your play style with that, that game. Uh, because it's a huge game, it's open world, it's also action-adventure, um, it's first-person, so you can play as if it's an, a first-person shooter, but for me, it's not a first-person shooter. It's more about escapism and exploration and going into that blockbuster uh, story. And that's that's how I like to appreciate that game. But some other people might want to play it differently. So for us, we wanted to make sure that uh, Pandora was the star of the show. If you decide to explore, if you're more of an explorer that likes to follow the, the story as well, then Pandora is the star of the show. So for example, on the music system, for the exploration music system, you don't have exploration music like in most open world uh, game. I mean, we do. We have hours of recording of exploration music, but it's for you to trigger the music as a player. So if you just explore, let me explain. So <laughs> in many open world games or in many games, 
if you are not in combat or if you have not been in combat for more than two minutes or five minutes, that's when we will usually trigger an exploration queue to make, you know, to create a mood. Um, but that's an approach that I don't like personally <laughs> because every time that happens to me in the open world game, I feel like, what, something is happening, something I'm is going I'm on. I'm supposed to be doing something. Exactly. Yeah. Like, is there a queue? Is it a navigation? Or um, So what we decided was that, okay, that's for the player to trigger the music based on what is what is the player doing in the game and what is happening in the game as well. So, for example, if you want to, a uh, little secret, if you want to trigger some nice, moody, layback exploration music that are also tied to uh, time of day, weather, and the region you're in with different style and different uh, songs, then maybe you could go to a Vista location and you have no predators and no RDA, that's the bad guys, uh, nearby and you move at slow pace and you decide to just enjoy the view for more than three or five seconds. And that's when we will trigger the music, uh, some of the exploration music in the game. We And we have some more cues like that, but I won't give all the secrets. <laughs> 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 but then that's for the player, you know, it's like, and that feels, that feels almost scripted. So that serves with kind of the cinematic experience we wanted to do as well because it's a movie franchise as well. So it's like, okay. Um, it was a lot with how to craft systems that feels natural. Like how will they trigger music in a movie or in a na natural documentary? Usually they show you a nice beauty shot with perfect lighting and then they trigger music and then you go to next chapter or the next segment of a documentary. Uh, and that's what we wanted to do, basically. We've, we've been through so many prototypes of different <laughs> type of exploration music cue we could uh, uh, trigger like that. And we removed a lot of them as well because they were amazing in some situations. But then you have edge cases where like, oh, but if that happens and that happens and then this one triggers that feels completely off. So... Um, then it's about, you know, you have all those dreams and ideas at the beginning of a project, and that's great. And then you prototype a lot of them, and then you need to cherry pick the ones that you really think will make a difference in the game or that will really work in most scenarios. Yeah, and, and will and serve the creative vision. Exactly. And then you iterate on those and you uh, focus more on those. So technologically, why are speaking of the tech behind all of this? Uh, we don't have an audio programmer in here with us uh, right now, but... How does it, on a, a slightly higher level, how does it work? You you walk through the forest. Do, do each individual plant is that playing a yeah. noise? Is there a, like the, the typical sound bubbles you usually see in, in mm -hmm. engines everywhere? How does that work technically against you as a player? Um, so we've been through. We're using the Snowdrop engine for the for the game, and uh, we've been some through some. Uh, uh, feature developments, of course, for uh, specific for this game on, on uh, with the Snowdrop uh, audio team, uh, audio tech team. So you have different layers to that. So we have some uh, emitter management and the uh, seed system as well for ambient sound. So we only spawn what you need to hear because if not, you will have hundreds of thousands of emitters in the world, and then your game is not optimized. But it's not just for optimization purpose. It's also about the information that you need to hear moment to moment as a player. So we have a, a lot of really cool features. Uh, for example, we have one where you have you hear all the birds. Like let's say you are in one of the most vibrant uh, uh, environment biome of the game, and it's very busy sonically with with a lot of fauna sounds. And then you decide um, to shoot an assault rifle. 
and you generate a, a, a big, what we call a, a large high SPL uh, sound pressure level, uh, a loud sound, basically. You trigger a loud sound, but also uh, thematically in the lore, that sound, that bang, is alien to Pandora because that's not a sound that exists in that, in that world. So when we do that, you will hear all the fonagos crazy, like playing away and then quiet. Um, and they are not just quiet. We actually remove all the emitters uh, at runtime and we only keep the sound of uh, the wind in the leaves and the foliage and whatnot. So that creates a nice cinematic effect that leaves space in the mix. That's optimizing the game as well at the same time. Because usually when you will use a weapon like that, it's because you have enemies nearby. Um, and that declutter the mix because then you can focus on possibly a gunfight that will that will happen because you don't have all those sounds clashing with explosions and uh, RDA foley footsteps and all the sounds cue that you need to hear uh, to play the game and to understand what happens at any moment in the game. So we have a lot of things like that. Um, We've been doing a lot of work on the propagation as well. Uh, so uh, we have a ray traced uh, propagation where we calculate, especially for the, that was super important, especially for the forest environment, uh, once again, because it's so busy visually as well. You have trees everywhere and plants everywhere that uh, we needed something a bit more complex than usually. Uh, to convey sound traveling and bouncing back on different type of materials. Um, so it's been a, a lot of uh, research and development and work on that uh, to get uh, to where we are right now. Uh, we have uh, still the slapback system that were the, uh, developed for Division before, but uh, we've made a few changes to that as well. Uh, so you still have also early and late reflections at, at runtime. That's basically uh, loud sounds and sounds that you generate as a player bouncing back at runtime based on the raycast of the environment around you. Um, I mean, we have so many amazing tech yeah? <laughs> <laughs> on that on that game. The the audio tech team and the tech team, uh, for Snowdrop in general, they've, they've been doing a, an amazing an amazing job. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about the music as well, but I want to I wanna talk about it in a little bit more detail because, of course, in the Avatar franchise, the music is iconic. Mm -hmm. it, and it's so, like, when when you just hear a couple of notes, you know you know it immediately, you know what it's from. So it, going into the game and making music for the game, the, the challenge of, yes, being true to it, but expanding because, I mean... Uh, we are expanding on the lore of the movies mm -hmm. with our own uh, like biomes and uh, characters. So, so where's the approach there? Like wh when you get into it, like yes, I'm gonna make music for Avatar the game, and yeah, how yeah. do you start to to grow up on that? So it's the same. You start with music direction. <laughs> <laughs> so it should still serve the design pillars of the audio direction, but you start with a music vision where you're like, okay, there are a lot of existing materials from the Avatar movies as well. So we gathered all the materials we could find also behind the scenes and everything on top of uh, the extensive collaboration with Lightstorm Entertainment and, and Disney. Then... Uh, we crafted um, the original vision, which was like, okay, music style based on the different scenarios. And then what type of instruments that we have to use because they were used in the movie, it's part of the signature, it's part of the feel, the mood. Like you hear other things, you're like, 
its avatar. So we listed down uh, those instruments and then we listed down other instruments that we, we found could be interesting, especially for the different clans and the different regions so that we can give them a twist or different texture and color. Um, and then we started scoring some some music as well. I mean, not me, but composers started to, to score some music and same, uh, some back and forth. Um, and then some discussion with Lightstorm Entertainment and Disney. Okay, are we all happy with that approach? Um, and um, and then that's when you start hiring. Or that's when we started to hire composers as well to help us uh, work on the on the project. Uh, onboarded the music team as well at uh, Ubisoft Music, uh, music supervisor, and started to look at okay, that's the budget, the time, um, the scope, and the scope was enormous because we wanted a lot of variety in music in the game for exploration, but for the main campaign as well, which uh, we took the the strong choice to to score every quest almost one by one as if it were a movie and then define every quest bits where we felt that, okay, the music needs to change here. Oh, we need to stop the music or, you know, like that's, that's basically uh, how we designed the music for the, the main campaign of the game because um, we did it with flowcharts. That sounds uh, <laughs> super appealing. <laughs> but that's basically the design, right? Where you take all the steps in the mission, all the voice lines, everything that will happen, gameplay and narrative-wise, uh, and then you start deciding, okay, what's the pace of the music? What's the You do an emotional mapping, basically, of the whole campaign and all the beats and everything, and where you want to take the players and the listener uh, emotionally through the different beats. And then you put that on an Excel sheet <laughs> and you start having uh, the, the music cue sheet, basically, where you have all the list of cues, uh, all the ones that are highly interactive that needs to change based on uh, how many enemies around you or it's the same music cue, it's the same song, but we will change it and modify it based on what's going on in the game because many scenarios could happen uh, depending on how you play the game. Um, so that's that's how we did it for for the campaign and for the music in general. Um, we we defined the list of cues that we wanted to have. So exploration cues, vista music, like we uh, discussed previously, and then some other ones like uh, you have specific locations with some uh, uh, interesting loot or skill trees or things like that. We're like, okay, let's let's list down uh, all the music we need, combat music. Um, diegetic music as well. Do we need, do we want diegetic music in the game? Then what type of instruments? And same, that's a lot of collaboration with uh, uh, Lightstorm and, and Disney to make sure we always stay on brand and that it feels and sounds avatar. Um, but also with some uh, creative freedom to expand on that uh, initial uh, vision as well. Yeah, and and the the tonality of the music being different between you know the different clans, but also the humans, because the humans are here the the aliens really. Yeah. So so they have like a different tonality to their music as well. Is that strictly down to how uh, the music is composed, or also in terms of well the instruments and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm smiling because I see where you're going with that question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about combat music. Um, so it's it's a mix. You have the uh, the original composition from the from the composers, but you also uh, give them some guidance about how it's going to be implemented in the game. And it's it's never it's it's pretty much never like composers 
compose a song, they give it to you, you chop and edit everything, you put it in the game, it's done. So it's it's a lot of back and forth. And uh, also to show them the, the music in the context of the game and how it plays back or the different ways it could play back as well. So for combat music, um, you have kind of the classic combat music system you have in many games where it reacts to the threat level uh, based on the enemies in your vicinity. Um, it also reacts to are you in combat or out of combat? Are you stealthing or are you post-combat? Um, and that's, for us, it was the basic. We needed to have that because that's moment-to-moment -moment, uh, gameplay feedback through music, but that's also engagement. But then we wanted to go the extra step in the engagement as well. And we wanted to give a, a sonic identity to the RDA versus you fighting back as a Navi. So depending on are you being attacked or are you attacking, we wanted the same track to kind of change in terms of color palette. Um, and we decided to play with the instrumentation for that. So like if you go to uh, an outpost and uh, you have enemies, you get spotted, combat music will start. You will have Western orchestra, strings, timpani, brasses, um, and we uh, also use drones, a bit more synthetic instruments and some synthetic percussions, uh, like cinematic percussions with metal layers usually uh, into them so that you have that metallic uh, feel with the brasses and the percussions that uh, we mentioned before with the m suit. Um, but if you fight back as a Navi, then we're going to twist the instrumentation a little bit and you, you're you going to start to hear uh, taiko drums instead of timpani and uh, metal percussion. Uh, you're going to have uh, folk choirs. You have ethnic flutes as well, solo vocals. So that it's, uh, as a player, when you play, eventually it sounds like it's, it's only one track playing. It's modulating based on enemies and stuff but it's actually much more than that yeah it's actually like a yeah a musical battle that's happening while you're battling that, that was yeah the, the idea <laughs> exactly it feels like every section of what we were talking about can be ended with it's much more than that <laughs> <laughs> so with all of all all of this um also, what we usually do if you're new to uh, Behind Massive Screens is we try to find out if you're being super inspired by by Alex now and how can you not. If I'm, I want to start out in, in sound engineering mm. or in audio, anything related to audio and video games, would you have any, any tips for a person sitting at home thinking, wow, this sounds amazing. This is something I would like to do. I would start by uh, play a game watch movies I can do I can do those things. critically ah. so try to have an opinion about what you hear and uh, what you think about it and uh, if you were a sound designer or music designer or working with sound on that project what will you do differently if you would want to do anything differently or uh, do you think it's it's the right approach and that everything sounds perfect and try to analyze I think to me that's that's the first step um, is that the type of answer yeah. you're looking for yeah yeah it, it reminds me a lot of um uh, when i was in film school um one of well we were in editing class which wasn't an audio class it was just editing class mm -hmm. but we did get an audio exercise where we got a scene without any music in it mm -hmm. and then it became score this scene so that the viewer feels this yeah you know make it a horror or uh, make it romantic you know and um yeah that that immediately kind of you know tur turned on a light in my head of of how important 
it is to nail the the audio and the musical aspect mm-hmm. of a scene. It's not, yes, the visuals should always look nice, <laughs> obviously, but uh, the the blending of the visuals and the audio. It was like, ah, okay, that's something that I'm I'm actually interested in investigating further. Mm. One thing I've noticed also with with audio people, and don't take this as a dig, <laughs> is that everybody that we have in here, uh, everyone we talk to, uh, have a great passion for what they do. Mm-hmm. Like they, they they are doing these things for video games, which is a crazy industry. You have to be slightly mad to go into, but they love doing what they're doing, right? Yeah. There's something about audio people that just goes usually goes beyond. I used to live with a guy who was uh, also in sound engineering school. And just the way you approach sound is often so, it's, it's inspiring because I don't have that mm. knowledge at all. I, I can hardly hear the difference between a 50 euro and <laughs> 500 euro headphones, <laughs> but it's just something about sound engineers and audio people that, that are just so inspiring because you spot these things, you know these things about sound, like the tiniest little thing, that sounds great. I trust you, uh, which I always find fascinating. It's always great to sit down. Like all the things you say now about that combat music sounds different depending mm-hmm. on who's attacking who, stuff like that. It's just, it, it's always great to get these insights into a world which you, you both of you were talking about at the beginning, like sound, if sound is good, you don't register, the, it becomes immersive. You become mm-hmm. immersed in it. Maybe you think about it afterwards, but when you're there, so yeah. it's it's um it's a science it's really is a science and hearing you talk about it and the way you've approached it with with avatar frontiers of pandora has been been great so thank you so much for coming alex thank you and giving us this insight both into the game but also uh into what it is you do yep. and a very interesting roundabout way to get into the industry if you want to get into the industry move to the other side <laughs> of the world and create a company <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No biggie. Yeah, that's a... We've all done that. Pro tip for all of you out there. But yeah, thank you all so much for uh, watching and listening. And, uh, you know, as always, like and subscribe, click the bell, uh, etc., etc. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.